Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to be here with you guys today. We are going to talk about a Dolores Cannon book today. And this is a fascinating book that I completely missed over the last few years, but I understand why I didn't read it until recently, which I'll explain as, as we go through it. I've, I've done a few book reviews of her case studies on this podcast. So if you've been following along, you've maybe seen a few of those. I'll link to those below so you can check them out. Previously, we talked about the three waves of volunteers, which was about Dolores's past life research, uncovering information about this coordinated effort to bring souls to earth that could help earth. And we also talked about the custodians, a series of case studies surrounding ET contact events and that book reveals some very fascinating information as well about our human story. This book today is related to a lot of the work I've been doing over the last couple of years to better understand the divine feminine aspect of creation, to better understand the, the goddess energy of the universe. And so, so we're going to talk about her book, The Horns of the Goddess today. Dolores Cannon, for those who aren't familiar, was like the grandmother of QHHT, quantum healing hypnosis technique therapy sessions. And these sessions use a deep hypnosis technique to bring a person into a deep state of trance where they're able to access past life memories or, or information from their higher self. And I actually studied this technique in depth and went through training and I've experienced two QHHT sessions myself um, because I think it's important to, to understand these things at a deeper level if I'm talking about them publicly, <laughs> number one. And then number two, it's been a really important part of my personal exploration and uncovering my soul's memories. And Dolores stumbled upon this technique while she was doing some normal hypnosis sessions with clients back in, I think, the 70s. And like a lot of other therapists, she had a few breakthrough cases where subjects were not only just in hypnosis to stop smoking or whatever it was, but they started accessing past life memories while they were in this deep state of trance. And that led Dolores and a number of other therapists to explore that further. And Dolores spent decades doing this work. She developed a robust library of transcripts from tons of past life regression sessions. And as the years progressed, Dolores found more and more esoteric, cosmic, metaphysical information coming out of people and information that uh, people had not been studying. Her work developed into a fascinating life of research and it really became her passion. And while the information that we can access in these deep states of trance may not always be 100% accurate or sometimes can be influenced by the human ego, some of the information she accessed was so incredible and so detailed that it resonates for me as something that someone really couldn't make up. And, and, and furthermore, most of her subjects really didn't have much of a previous interest or experience or knowledge of these spiritual or metaphysical concepts before their work together. So that also just starts to prove out the validity of what we're learning in these cases. Um, I'm also a fan of Sarah Breskman Cosme and her work. She has continued this work uh, after Dolores Cannon's passing, and, and it appears as though uh, spirit, the beings who sometimes connect to these therapists through these cases are, are guiding Sarah to, to support her in this work as well, to carry it forward. Uh, we'll link to a few of her episodes below that we've we've done in the past. So, so like I said, while I've been this avid researcher of these things and have been a fan of Dolores's work and I devoured all of it in the very um, earlier phase of my research, I missed one until recently. And, and I should say that this journey I've been on 
in the last year especially has been all about learning the exact practices that Jesus Christ and the Holy Family used to become high divine supernatural beings and 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 studying you know Jesus's path specifically not necessarily from a place of um from like a religious standpoint or or you know wanting to to worship the soul for instance but more from the standpoint of what did this soul do when they were on earth to to really get into alignment with the universe and the way that this soul was able to demonstrate it and and how can i learn from that and apply that in in my life and in my practice and 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 how can I do my best to emulate, you know, this, this being. And so, so this book is all about what we'll, we'll hear about the old religion. The old religion prior to Christianity was about goddess worship. And Jesus was all about goddess worship and embodying the power of the goddess, the divine feminine principle of the universe. So that's why <laughs> somehow I got guided to not read this book back then. I got guided to wait until I had already done my really deep um, exploration of that old religion and had integrated it into my life. So, so this book we're talking about today, as I said, is called The Horns of the Goddess, and it includes incredible detail about Druid priestess past lives. And one of the most important stories in this book recounts the journey of Estelle, the past life of a woman named Brenda. Now, pause here if you don't want spoilers. If you want to read this book and not have spoilers, don't listen to the rest of this because I'm going to tell you what happens in this book. So Dolores never published these stories while she was alive. She published a lot of other stories while she was alive, but this book, she was afraid of publishing because she was afraid of backlash from the Christian church. And in this book the past life regression cases tell of a time when church patriarchal control had become so violent and so distorted that some of the accounts of the violence are difficult to read you may also know about this historically as the inquisition this is when I'm getting huge chills right now. <laughs> this is when the the church sought out priestesses, witches, anyone of the old religion and extinguished them. And it may be difficult for us to reconcile the fact that a religious organization could commit such heinous acts of violence in God's name but that's what we are being called to do. We are being called to understand the distortion that has played out on this planet. And, and I think sometimes by maybe getting a more clear picture, a more factual account, a more personal account of what played out during these historical times, while it can be difficult to, to read, to take in, it actually is part of our collective healing process. So, so when I do these sorts of episodes and I talk about these things, I think about it from the standpoint of us engaging in a healing process together. We are engaging in resolving collective trauma by bearing witness to it, by understanding it at, in a different way than maybe we used to be able to understand it and by starting to rewrite that story for ourselves. So. Many of you who are watching this or listening to this likely had lives back then. I had a major activation happen while I was reading this information. That might happen to you while we're going through this. So at the very end, when we're done talking about the book, I'm going to lead us through a gentle energetic releasing exercise so that we can cleanly leave this conversation and, and do that work together to rewrite the story. 
So, so what we learn about in this book comes from around the time of 680, about 600 years after Christ's time on earth. And, and we know that during Christ's time on earth, the Roman government was specifically seeking out prophets and any spiritual leaders or people who were speaking on anything other than the agreed upon religion at the time. And in this book, we learn about a secret religion that has been preserved through time, a secret religion related to the goddess of creation, related to the divine feminine. And during Christ's time on earth and after, men in positions of power were threatened by the so-called magic that could be performed by those who worshiped the goddess. They didn't understand the true mechanics of existence and the true power of feminine energy. As I said, Jesus understood the true power of feminine energy. That's why he was powerful. He was a follower of the goddess. He embodied the power of the goddess. And that's largely still been misunderstood in modern times. So this book helps us understand the role that the Druid culture played in preserving this ancient religion of goddess worship. And it helps us understand the practices and ways of working with nature that had been preserved by various priestess groups um, before and after Jesus's death. And, and as a side note, we know that Jesus spent time in Britain uh, in that area and studied with the Druids during his time on earth. And, and I consider the Druid religion, spirituality as part of Jesus's spirituality. And, and again, an important part of us understanding the misrepresentation of Jesus and the goddess and, and the cosmos that has played out during this last era. So the book begins by exploring the lifetime of Estelle, the past life of a woman named Brenda. And Dolores had already regressed Brenda to multiple past lives when Brenda's subconscious told Dolores to go explore the lifetime of Estelle because there was important information there. This all took place in 1986. And the story of Estelle's life begins by us learning uh, about her location in the area of Great Britain. We don't have an exact location from her description, but she describes it as a duchy, which was a word of that time. That's uh, maybe known as a, a province or an area that is um, overseen by a duke or a duchess. And Dolores found this woman working in a kitchen working in the home of a duke, a wealthy person of status at that time. And for those who might be skeptical of these sorts of stories or the information that comes out of them, or even the ability to access soul level information in a regressed state, some of the historical detail that comes through in these conversations is so remarkable. For instance, Estelle mentions wattle and daub architecture, which was a common way of building homes during the first um century back then and we we also or in the first millennia sorry the first first thousand years um after jesus and and we we also see as this conversation progresses how karen the subject becomes the full personality of estelle and and she doesn't understand some of the modern words that dolores is using which is another clue that this person is is truly accessing the 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 lifetime the consciousness the personality of this historical character and so we're learning about the ways of life during that time in the beginning of this book and we're learning about the the manner the home that estelle is serving in and it becomes clear that estelle is part of the servant class and and we learn that she lives a decent life and she's pretty much at peace with her place in the world but but she also experiences a little bit of violence at the hand of a noble woman who is the cousin of the lady of the manor. We learn that even though Estelle is of the servant class, she's very pretty and peaceful and she's drawn the attention of this cousin noble woman named Lady Jocelyn. We also learn that Estelle has a young lover, a knight to be, a knight in training, who Lady Jocelyn wants. So Lady Jocelyn is 
in this drama with Estelle because of her desire for this other guy. And as we're learning about this, Estelle is demonstrating wisdom by understanding the, the lower emotions and issues that Lady Jocelyn is struggling with. And, and Estelle understands that she can't marry the soon-to-be knight because of their different classes at the time. And she's coming to terms with this situation, and, and she's describing the larger drama that's playing out. But this is where the story starts to get to get interesting as we're learning about this drama that's playing out between Estelle and Lady Jocelyn and some of the things going on in the house. We learn that Estelle has a skill for perceiving spirits and she starts to ask Dolores if she's talking to a familiar spirit. She tells Dolores that she knows about friendly familiar spirits because most of the servants are followers of the old religion. And so now Dolores is wanting to know, well, what's the old religion? What's going on here? Estelle tells Dolores about the Inquisition and how church leaders are trying to stamp out followers of the old religion. And Estelle starts to tell Dolores about the current challenges of the time with many people facing torture and death at the hands of the church and and how there's just this widespread fear uh, of people around, you know, the following of the old religion. People are still following it, but they know, they know there's a lot to fear around that. And so we learn about the old religion more as time goes on in the book. We also learn that the Duke of the Manor seems to be engaging in some distorted, darker aspects of the old religion and that he spends a lot of time in his tower alone and many of the servants are suspicious of what he does up there citing these like odd events and accidents that happen after he does work up in his tower and as Dolores is asking about this Estelle says he calls on the dark forces but that the inquisition doesn't question him because he's a large donor for the church. So Dolores is now very curious about what's going on and what, what these people know. And she starts asking about the old religion. And Estelle starts revealing that this religion includes following the cycles of nature and the rhythms of nature. And she tells us that there is power in the earth and the moon and, and that the goddess is behind all things and that the goddess reveals herself through these cycles. And so we start to learn that there's power in working with the cycles of nature and, and working in harmony with nature and, and understanding those cycles better. And then we start to learn that Estelle has kind of a secret life. Estelle goes to a particular grove of trees fairly regularly with a group of women. And this grove contains 13 trees, which is representative of the power of the goddess. You might be familiar with the number 13, meaning other things. In some modern cases, we have assigned the number 13 as this or we, we've assigned a negative connotation to the number 13 when actually it stems from the cycles of the moon and and being representative of the goddess so that's an example of some distortion that has played out to prevent us from connecting with goddess energy and as dolores and estelle talk about this it becomes clear that Estelle's wanting to share, but she's being abundantly cautious and not oversharing with Dolores because those of that time had to be really, really careful about what they shared because they might get caught by the Inquisition. And so Dolores is, is asking about this and asking about the goddess. Who is she? Does she have a name? And Estelle says that the goddess is just known as the goddess. She doesn't have a name, but she has many faces and that we see those faces through the seasons as they change and as the phases of the moon change and we, we see how the goddess shows up differently through those face phases. And Estelle said that sometimes her group 
just refers to the goddess as the earth mother. And so Dolores is, is trying to get more and more information and, and Estelle is, is starting to share more and she shares about the, the balancing mechanism of the universe and, and how all things must come into balance. She talks about how one can very easily be destroyed by operating out of balance with nature. And we also hear about the holidays that are celebrated at the time, which are very close to modern Christian holidays that are predominant now and, and were back then. But Estelle talks about the real meaning behind these holidays and how they're really just a celebration of the changing of seasons and cycles of nature. For instance, May Day was discussed as a celebration of spring, but Estelle refers to a different version of this holiday that is celebrated by those who follow the Earth Mother that is actually a little earlier, that's more in alignment with the cycle of um, nature changing. And now at this point, we've gone as far as we can go with Estelle giving Dolores information. Estelle is starting to get really cautious and nervous. And as this conversation goes on, Estelle reveals to Dolores that she is going to test her through time and space. <laughs> this personality from the 600s is going to test Dolores Cannon to ensure she can be trusted, which so we start to get into some really fascinating uh, time and space mechanisms here. Estelle is referring to Dolores as a friendly spirit. And here we see that Estelle, the Estelle of the 600s is conscious of the fact that she is actually talking to someone that she is referring to as a friendly spirit. And so Estelle tells Dolores that she's going to be tested at a time unbeknownst to her. And that if she passes that test, Estelle will reveal more information. So Dolores leaves that session with Estelle to return at a later date because in total she's having a number of sessions to gather this information. And in the next session, Estelle reveals that Dolores has been tested <laughs> and that she passed the test. And Dolores asks if Estelle told the group of women about her. And Estelle says, yes, she did. And Estelle's group of women who we begin to learn more about soon have determined that Dolores is not part of the Inquisition. And Dolores asks if Estelle's group found it odd that she was talking with a disembodied voice. And Estelle says, no, her group does that fairly often. It's, it's part of the old religion. They just needed to determine where Dolores's voice was coming from and if it could be trusted. So after some discussion about this, Estelle tells Dolores that they're perceiving her from the future. They could perceive that Dolores had no connection to the church and that she was in a far off place, like not in Britain, and that she was in another time in the future. So I think this is super cool. This is such a fun double example of time travel here. Not only is Dolores using the regression technique to access information from the past, but she has inadvertently accessed a woman in the past who is simultaneously accessing the future. So like what an incredible example of the infinity loop and and the idea of time and space truly being the illusion and how we can reach into the past and reach into the future and and to have that conscious awareness happening both ways simultaneously, I think is just incredible. And, and one incredible example that Estelle begins sharing with Dolores um, about what her group is perceiving about the modern times is about how spirituality has evolved. So Estelle and her group are perceiving what's going on in our modern times or in Dolores's modern time. And, and Estelle then says that her group may know things about the great mother that could be supportive for Dolores's research. And Estelle refers to Dolores as a tool of the great mother, the goddess, and that Dolores was indeed aligned with the goddess, even though she was trying to work out her own cosmic view at the time. 
Estelle and her group could perceive that Dolores was gathering wisdom and sharing wisdom for the good of all and to support healing from the patriarchal worldviews that took hold in the last era of humanity. So, so here again, we have this incredible example of someone from the past perceiving the future and, and, and perceiving it fairly accurately in a lot of ways. As these conversations continue, though, we hear Estelle start to talk about her group of women that she joins. And these are a group of priestesses, Druid priestesses. They don't necessarily call themselves Druid, but they are tied to that, that culture, that spirituality. And Estelle tells Dolores that she was introduced to this group as a young girl. And apparently it was known back then from a very early age that a person had the skills and abilities required to become a healer and a channel of the energy of the goddess. And, and she describes their meetings, this group of women, where they meet on a small island that is only known because of their understanding of the moon cycle. They track the moon cycle to know when low tide will arrive and when they can journey out to this island for their sacred rituals, because it was surrounded by, by water that was not passable when the tide was high, but they knew the perfect timing to go out there unnoticed. And, and so they do secret work on this island, following the rhythms of nature. And Estelle starts to talk about the views of the church here as Dolores gets curious about the work that this priestess group is doing and 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 what they're doing with the goddess and with nature Estelle talks starts to talk about how the views of the church and some of the teachings of the church are actually out of alignment with the way nature operates. And Estelle describes the ancient religion of the Druids as one that involves ceremonial rituals and she talks about how many aspects of church symbology or church kind of ritualistic activity are actually forgotten carryovers from the more ancient times of goddess worship and how the ancient religion actually did influence the christian church and and again, we know Jesus was a follower of the goddess and goddess energy and understood a deep level what that was about. And so, so, so while the church might display power objects and conduct ritual activities and, and may even use designs that are based on the harmonic resonance with the universe that we want, much of the church's or church leaders' actual power is incredibly diminished because of other distortion that has infiltrated the Christian religion. And Estelle talks about this, about how the Inquisition is seeking out the women of power and the people of power because they are technically more powerful than the church and they all know it, <laughs> they all know it. Um, and so, you know, I would argue this is still true today. You know, you might, you might be able to even argue that the church's influence and power is diminishing, is continuing to diminish as people find their own connection to source energy. You know, Jesus did not talk about church, <laughs> you know, like Jesus was all about helping us understand how to get in alignment with source, with goddess. And so, so in this book, you, you learn about these rituals and, and you learn about how this priestess group works with the moon and how they work with the goddess energy to bring healing to others and and how they come into circle in this ceremonial way and they have a, a a stone a crystal that they work with at the center of the circle to harness energy and power and 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 they they start to talk about how they draw power to themselves to then be able to give that power to others who need it but but all of this is done in secret it has to be done in so much secret because they know that the minute any word of this gets out, the Inquisition is going to murder them. And 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 we you know start to learn some really ugly things about how the Inquisition operated and how they sought out people and um, and and how 
those who followed the goddess faced tremendous hardships and and many really horrific deaths back then. However, the followers of the old religion had hand gestures that they would use to to identify each other. And I find this really interesting. One of those is known as the horns of the goddess. That's where the book title comes from. And it's creating a kind of half moon shape with your hands. So if you're on video, you can see it's kind of like this, like the longhorn symbol for Texas football, <laughs> if you if you know that. And, and this actually is a mudra that in India is talked about as being related to our pelvic region or the area, you know, kind of from our root to, to womb chakra area. And, and we know that that area in particular, the womb area is, is really important for our connection to source energy. And, and so, so I find this really fascinating that, you know, not only did they use that mudra to connect with goddess energy, but they also used it uh, very slyly to indicate to each other, like if they were working in a manor or they were out at, you know, uh, a market or something like they would use these hand gestures to signal like I, I'm, I'm one of you, I know, I know who you are. <laughs> and, and now, you know, as as the book continues, we we learn more about Estelle's life and 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 a beautiful marriage that she had and, and kids that she had and and how her partner and her continued to practice the old religion. But but we read some some very difficult accounts of how Estelle's life ended, and it ended at the hands of the Inquisition. And so so you are no longer left wondering why Dolores was nervous to put out this kind of information. And I won't describe it here, but I'm just going to warn you that it's gruesome. It's not not fun to read. However, Estelle was able to to recount the information from a, a place that was not um, necessarily reliving the trauma for Brenda and um, more of an objective standpoint. So, so that was the the story of Estelle and and the Druid priestesses and and there's so much more detail that's described in in their work together and in just how they live life back then. We we learn towards the end of the story that the the Duke who had been playing with the dark side and channeling dark energies for his own good, for his self centered good. Uh, has self imploded and is not doing so well at the end of the book. So that might be a cautionary tale for anyone uh, who ever dabbles in that. Um, things got really out of hand and very out of control for him. And he was uh, consumed by negative energy, basically. And uh, and the same was true for Lady Jocelyn. And, and we start to learn about the Druids' understanding of karma and understanding of energy and um, and, and again, how to work with energy in a way that is in harmony with the universe and with, with the goddess. And before we wrap up, I want to, to also talk about um, one other particular part of this book that I found interesting. Uh, the, the book goes on to include more stories of past lives of this woman named Brenda that Dolores was working with. And, and one life included uh, a traveling bard singer, um, someone who just traveled around from town to town, playing the harp and singing songs. And, and apparently these people would bring news from the neighboring towns. So it was something everyone looked forward to. And in this case, Brenda actually sang some of the songs that the bard back then sang and 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 Dolores was able to record these and, and share them and so so after a few um, after a few sessions of exploring some of these historical songs and and the travels of this this bard character Dolores then stumbled upon knowledge of another important event the burning of the library of Alexandria and using the same subject karen dolores used a technique to jump the subject further back in time using a hundred year increments not quite knowing what she was going to find and and all of a sudden 
Karen is in the lifetime of a man named Alexandro in Alexandria, Egypt. And this guy was a student of a master who studied the mysteries and studied homeopathic remedies. And we find this guy um, working with different herbs and, and mixtures and stuff like that. And he recounts his understanding of this event, which apparently happened 200 years prior to his lifetime, but was still well known. And he shares that the burning of the library did happen intentionally and that and that people of his time understood it as what he called a wanton act of destruction. And and he discusses how the rulers of the time were were more fearful of others having knowledge rather than preserving the knowledge right like they were they were so fearful of others having it that they would rather burn it than let people connect with that knowledge and interestingly enough though we learn of a, a an exciting twist to this story and that those who worked at the library were were aware of these intentions prior and and had already begun removing a lot of the most important wisdom and texts for safekeeping elsewhere so not all of the knowledge was burned i should also share here i mentioned this in another podcast episode recently but it, it connects to this story so i'll just share it again in my very first past life regression one of the lifetimes i accessed was of a life as a messenger boy in Alexandria. I worked at the Library of Alexandria. I worked for people who worked at the Library of Alexandria and I delivered uh, scrolls, parchments, messages back and forth from the people at the library to other important people in town. And, and in that lifetime, I watched the library burn and and in this book dolores talks about how wow she just accessed someone else who had who had some memory of the the library burning or some connection to it and apparently dolores had a past life at the library and she she worked in the library and i didn't know that until reading this book and so that was a really interesting soul level connection for me as as I started to 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 just unpack some of this information and think about my journey and 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 some of the healing work that I did around that particular lifetime. I find it so fascinating and one of the big things that I had to to really heal from was this deep deep sense of the wisdom being lost. And, and for a while in my uh, earlier in the earlier part of my spiritual awakening, I had developed this obsession with books. I was already just devouring, you know, information, but but it was getting to this point where I felt like I had to hoard books and I had to save them. And if I found a rare book, I I if it, even if it was one hundred dollars, I had to buy it, you know, to save it. Like it was that kind of um, uh, anxiety that was being provoked around <laughs> wisdom and knowledge and books and it was so fascinating but it was around this knowledge not other books like <laughs> I was only having that feeling and that issue around spiritual books and and so in my past life regression one thing that came from my subconscious that was a a, a healing message in a in a sense was wisdom cannot be burned like no matter what physical things happen wisdom is wisdom wisdom exists in the cosmic consciousness that we are a part of wisdom cannot be burned and then i find this to be a really interesting twist to the story to learn that actually a lot of the important wisdom was removed and preserved <laughs> um isn't that funny uh, just one of those one of those funny little connections across time that happens. So so as I was reading this book and connecting with some of this information, which you know some of it wasn't new to me per se, but but the story of Estelle and her life was, and and just getting some more of the historical detail of what life was like back then, you know, really helped um, the full picture kind of come into view for me about what we all faced 
back then. And, and it became clear after a few days, and this started becoming clear too, as I was talking to other people, um, right after having read this book and, and issues related to oppression and persecution were coming up. And that came up for multiple people around me right after I read this book. And, and it, and it started to trigger for me this understanding that, okay, we, we have a, clearly we have a, a major collective trauma around this time and around the persecution that uh, followers of the quote unquote old religion have, have faced um, for, for hundreds of years, for thousands of years now. And, and while, while this realization was, was coming to me, I, I started recognizing, ah, okay, you know, I, I've read this to, to be reminded of the persecution trauma that many people are still carrying and that we need to clear and resolve. And so I talked about this with someone after reading the book about the, the ways in which, which we can be very intentional about releasing energy and releasing past stories and rewriting the story for ourselves. So because most of you watching this likely had a past life where you were persecuted, regardless of whether you remember the details or not, we can do some releasing work together to, to let that energy go and to let that trauma go. And so I wanna share with you a very easy, uh, quick exercise that, that you can do at home to, to reinforce uh, this, this energetic shift that we are, we are wanting to experience. And, and what you'll do is you'll just get a candle and, and you're gonna work with this candle in your sacred space and what I want you to do is get a stick. You could you could use uh, Palo Santo if you have a Palo Santo stick. I like to get uh, little juniper sticks from outside. Any little twig will do. And this is like a miniature fire ceremony that we're doing. And we're going to call on the energy of the goddess, the energy of our great mother to be with us as we do this and to help us honor her cycles that we've been through and to help us honor the return of her energy, the return of our conscious connection to her, the return of our ability to operate in harmony with her nature without any fear. So I want you to get a stick and just knowing that your soul has experienced oppression, your soul has experienced persecution at the hands of those who are afraid of you having power, of your own power, of the power of the goddess. We're going to let that lifetime go. And what I want you to do is I want you to just connect with that intention of letting go of whatever pain, whatever trauma that you faced in one lifetime or many blow that energy into the stick three times. And then when you're ready, you're just going to give that stick to the fire. safely. It's always good to maybe have a cup of water on hand as you're doing this in case you need it, but you're just going to give that stick to the fire and we're just going to let it burn and we're just going to let it burn that energy away because that's not yours to carry anymore. It's not ours collectively to carry anymore. So we're going to let go of any of that energy that's been living in our energy fields that has been heavy on our hearts that has resulted in fear. And then I would invite you to do that again with another stick releasing fear specifically 
releasing fear around using your voice, releasing fear around being your true self, releasing fear around practicing your spirituality and, and, and allowing that to be your life. <clears throat> Do that same exercise to release fear. And then I want you to get a third stick. And this time we're going to write a new story. We're going to set an intention for what the new energy is that we are bringing back to ourselves. And this can be personal for you. Think of whatever that intention is, whatever that new story is. It could be something like, in this life, I am empowered to live my spirituality freely. It could be something like, in this life, I am <clears throat> I embody my power. <clears throat> we have some throat chakra clearing happening. <laughs> in this life, I embody my power fully. It could be something like, in this life, I fearlessly represent the energy of the goddess. You could do all of those. <laughs> this is an exercise to continue doing. So when you've landed on whatever your intention is, and my intention is that we collectively are empowered. We are empowered to use our voices. We are empowered to be who we are. We are empowered to represent the goddess. We're gonna blow that into the stick three times. And then bringing that stick to the fire. And we're just gonna let it burn. And this is part of the old religion, working with the elements, working in ceremony with fire to burn away old energies, to call in new energies. And I would also invite you to do this on the moon cycle, continue to do this for all of the different layers of trauma of negative programming we've experienced this is an incredibly effective ceremonial very simple ceremonial ritual and exercise that you can do at home that helps you work in the field of energy we want to do this in sacred space so you know in whatever way you do that um use some sort of opening prayer calling on your team calling on the energy of the goddess maybe opening the four directions if you know how to do that on this podcast we are always in sacred space i always open sacred space uh before we do this so so just know that you are held in that as we do this together i would also invite you in your space later whenever it feels right to say out loud I call back all of my power from all times, places, and people, past, present, and future. And I want you to say that a lot. <laughs> I want you to say that a lot. Anytime you're doing energy releasing work and you've completed that exercise, then I want you to say that. Because what we are doing at this time on earth is is repairing our energy fields we are pulling in more of our soul's power and and we can't operate with our soul's fullest power if we're carrying a lot of trauma if we're carrying negative energies that are are still living with us from these these past times and and when we release negative energy that then gives us the ability to call in higher divine energy or more of our soul's power more of our essence more of our our energy and and so so we want to do that as we also do these releasing and, and rewriting the story exercises 
actively calling back your power is really, really important. And, and you heard me say past, present, and future, because we are operating in all three at the same time. And, and you heard us talk in this episode about Estelle's experience of perceiving Dolores from the past and Dolores perceiving her from the future. We are absolutely operating in that way all of the time, even if we don't know it. So, so un, or even if we're just not, you know, that conscious of it. So, so I like to say past, present, and future because we're we're just being proactive. <laughs> we're just being proactive about about the future. We're not we're not focusing only on the past, and and we're we're focused on the present, on any you know energetic entanglements or any any energies that we've kind of inadvertently given to someone, we're calling that back now. So, so do this to support your healing process, to support the collective healing. You can do this on behalf of the collective. If you feel like your stuff's taken care of, you know, like if you're in a good place, do this on behalf of the collective um, for any collective trauma that, that we're facing, any collective distortion that we're facing, because all of that's living in our energy fields. So we've got to engage in very intentional focused ways. Um, if you attend larger fire ceremonies like fire pujas, bring one intention into that, like, like what we did today. That is incredibly effective. You know, when we don't align with one specific intention, um, you know, we're just not going to get the most powerful effect. And, and sometimes we're thinking of, you know, what we might want to create or what we might want to call in, but we also need to be identifying all those parts of ourselves that might still be wounded or might still be carrying traumas and, and be really intentional about releasing that and letting that go because it's not ours to carry anymore. Okay, so thank you for being in this space today, honoring the goddess with me. I encourage you to read this book. You'll get a lot more detail about some of the rituals and things that the priestesses engaged in. And, um, and I think it'll inspire you uh, to, in whatever way is right for you to, to bring back the old religion and, and to, to find, to find the aspects of the old religion that are ready to be reintegrated into how we operate today on earth. So with that, we will, we will wrap up for today and I'll link below to those other two Dolores Cannon book reviews so you can check them out. Uh, I have been absolutely fascinated by all things related to past life regression. We can learn so much and connect so many dots. And um, that's one of my big missions that is my mission and in a way is is connecting dots and um and and bringing that forward in a way that that it might be helpful so thank you and blessed be so thank you and i'll see you next time in the next episode bye for now <laughs>